I'm Dave Monaco, the Alan Meyer Family Head of School at Parish Episcopal School. Welcome to the From My Angle podcast. I'm excited for this podcast episode, the first of four upcoming shows with graduates of Parish Episcopal School. The From My Angle podcast normally features a heavy dose of conversation about educational innovation, what is happening in schools like Parish across the country or in the world of higher education. One must not forget, though, that we have exciting stories to share about the students and faculty members here on campus today and what our alumni are doing now that they've entered the complex global society about which we speak in our mission. Parish is in a unique position in that our oldest graduates, those of our first graduating class of 2007, are just reaching their 30th birthdays. So, my interviews with graduates from these 12 graduating classes will offer insights into the challenges and opportunities at hand for today's 20-somethings as they begin to tackle the challenges of the complex global society in earnest. In this podcast, I'm joined by Quincy Powell. Appropriately for the first podcast featuring alums, Quincy is a member of Parrish's first graduating class, that of 2007. Quincy is a Parish lifer, having spent his entire preparatory experience at Parish Day and Parish Episcopal. He experienced firsthand the school's expansion and initial efforts building a high school. Since his graduation from Parrish and then the University of Texas, he's begun a career in merchandising management and now works at 7-Eleven. Quincy continued to contribute to Parrish's emergence by serving on our alumni council and offering his mentorship to our students. I know you will enjoy this conversation with Quincy. Quincy Powell, welcome to the From My Angle podcast. It's uh, great to have uh, among our alum podcast uh, um, participants, one of the members of the first graduating class of Parish Episcopal School in the class of 2007. So thanks for being with us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So I, I sort of buried the lead a little bit, class of 2007, but give, just take us back a little bit over your uh, parish backstory, how long you were at parish and, uh, you know, uh, perhaps a a snippet or two about being a member of that first graduating class. Yeah, um, it's kind of fun. Now, it's um, just over 10 years, had our 10-year reunion just last year. And when I look back on, you know, my time at Parrish, that's really been my whole life um, through the education system. So I actually started at Parrish um, as three years old in the pre-K, and I stayed every year until I graduated in 2007. So along the way, we saw uh, the, the, the campus continue to grow. We went from being on the Hillcrest campus to then opening up the Midway campus and then seeing the high school where we still had a section of the building kind of closed off. Then now coming back on campus, seeing how many students are there and kind of seeing the vision realized. And it's kind of, you know, fills you up with, um, with pride, um, seeing what, where the school's at and then understanding that, um, along the way had so many lessons with kind of being that pioneer class, you know, everything wasn't always perfect, but then with that imperfection, you kind of opened up your, uh, the eyes for creativity and ingenuity that has really carried with me throughout my life. And it's been yeah. very beneficial, um, as I've um, begun my career. That's really great. Cause I'm sure you all, um, have just by uh, the, the experience of being those pioneers, certainly uh, by osmosis and, and then in real experiences, carried that into uh, the world that you are today. And we'll certainly get uh, get into that as we get going. But uh, describe for the uh, parent listeners, especially maybe uh, those that have joined Parish here more recently, 
um, just some of the general uh, frames of that first class. How many of you were there? And, uh, you know, uh, uh, th- th- just how many of them had come up with you from the, uh, what it was at the time, lower and middle school? Just what are some of the characteristics of that first class that you remember? Yeah, I'll tell you a couple of big um, benchmarks that I remember in my head. Yeah. I saw you kind of different tiers of the classes. So one big break was, um, for, for the longest, Parish Day School was a phenomenal um, elementary school. And at, but it um, completed at sixth grade. And at sixth grade, kind of a lot of my classmates end up going to a lot of various schools throughout the, the Dallas area. Um, the few of us that remained, um, I remember having half the semester on the um, Hillcrest campus in a portable for mm. our seventh grade year. So mm. there was probably around uh, less than 20 people um, with Parish. And then from there, we moved on to Midway, and we still had probably a fringe 20 to 25 people, 7th to 8th grade. Mm-hmm. And then our class just ballooned our ninth grade year to, mm-hmm. I think, a whopping total of uh, 47, 50 people. <laughs> <laughs> that same small cohort um, remained with us all the way from ninth grade to, uh, to graduating class. So, I mean, um, each of those, probably the 6th grade class and then our middle school class, and then the high school class, probably three distinct classes, but still carried that same DNA through and through. And it's been kind of great to see, especially looking back on it. Yeah, and I think that, I think if I have, uh, I was, of course, not here at the, at the time, arriving in 2009, but uh, through my own uh, patching together of the history and my recollection, I, I think you had five founding faculty members who started with you all in uh, 2003 when you were a freshman. And uh, uh, we're, we're, the, we're the pioneer founding faculty, of course, uh, Dr. Frederick Coates being the, uh, the remaining founding faculty member that we still have with us here today. No, and it was great with the advisory system. And I think um, kind of hats off to Parrish and the community of being able to choose um, such a fine um, um, faculty um, to, to kind of help mold and shape um, the, uh, our first class. And again, we really didn't know what a high school was and they kind of let us figure it out. We had our scrapes and pains, but I think looking back on it, it's, I think you guys did a great job and it's a yeah, testament all, to the uh, leadership. Yeah. You, you, you 40 plus uh, uh, pioneer class members and those five faculty members occupied primarily the uh, third floor of uh, what we all know now is the, the tower, the, the fourth floor at the time was, uh, was empty. And uh, as lore uh, goes here, uh, there were thoughts that it really might never actually fill and, and uh, it, it might be utilized by the Episcopal Diocese or, or some other entity. And of course, uh, today here, some, uh, some 15 years after uh, that fall when, when you started, uh, that uh, upper school is, is vibrant with uh, uh, close to 440 uh, students and uh, uh, close to 40 faculty members. So uh, those 15 years have, have brought, have brought off a lot of change, as you uh, alluded to in your in your opening. So you you know you left uh, you, you left Parish, uh, a place you'd spent, as you said, your entire uh, young life, and uh, traveled south down to Austin and the University of Texas. So tell us a little bit about the highlights of uh, of your time down at uh, UT in terms of what you chose for your major and and maybe some of the activities that you involved yourself uh, with away from your studies. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, my time in college. Uh, for those four years um, were just another great opportunity. As being part of the parish community from the time I was three until I was 18, all my memories, it was definitely a culture shock seeing, you know, being at a big state school where you had um, kids from um, 
public schools and from all across Texas. But um, um, quickly, um, quickly you found out, you know, people are people are people. Mm -hmm. um, in college, I was able to join um, an organization I like to call um, a frat light. It was a Texas Iron Spikes. It was a fraternal organization. Mm -hmm. um, we had around 100 guys uh, per year there. So um, generally around uh, 30, 30 guys um, per year came in, about 15 to 20 per class. And it was a really tight-knit community. And then we had other um, spear organizations. So this is non-Greek culture within um, UT campus. Mm -hmm. But still those um, people that I met um, through those spear organizations – um, kind of moved back to Dallas with me and you still are um, close and near and dear to, uh, to me to this day. Um, other than a um, year, was yeah. that multi-year? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, it's you, we um, bring in people um, in the fall, fall semester and the spring semester and generally four years. Mm -hmm. But as you get into the upper class, you generally see um, more members kind of take a back seat. Mm -hmm. But again, the, the, the community just continued to grow. And so there was other kind of rival um, organizations, just like you would have your rival frats. Mm -hmm. And so even you could see the commingling with those groups. So again, you'd end up having a pretty big community of people making a, a very large um, state school, pretty small at times. Yeah, it's um, really nice, a nice way to give you a sense of intimacy. And then yeah, for academically, uh, you, you, you jumped into a major in government, uh, in government, but you also we did some, uh, some studies in business and, and did a minor in business, I believe, correct? Yeah, no, absolutely. And all the while, too, um, all, um, all four years um, worked a pretty heavy schedule. So between uh, 20 to uh, 40 hours at the University Rec Center, Mm. So what was nice about that was you get a, a little bit of extra uh, spending money on the side. Mm -hmm. And then um, you found time to do a little bit of um, work study at the same time. And then that was another community of friends. Um, and so the, the reason why I, what I was drawn to about government and political science and business was I had a professor that, or actually it stemmed from a lot of times um, coming from parish. So I think uh, Dr. Holtz, um definitely made a huge impact on me and um, how I view the world hmm. and just in the AP history classes and um, uh, world religion, uh, as well as um, our intro to, to history, like ninth grade years kind of got me very, um, very interested in just history and how it interrelates to the, um, uh, the global economic environment. Mm -hmm. And so with, um, at the time when I was at school, um, I guess it's a, benefit and the curse at the same time mm. we were going through the financial crisis so i was also part of the university investment society mm. and i remember the day when um, i guess aig was bailed out so that was mm -hmm. the first 85 uh, billion dollar bailout so that was before um tarp mm -hmm. and we had a speaker in there who was in the private equity firm and he said um and i might be getting timelines a little bit mixed up but i think he said uh bear stearns collapsed mm-hmm and he said, I have um, friends at uh, Lehman Brothers and because he, uh, he was a graduate, uh, he was a graduate from University of Texas. And mm -hmm. he's saying that we, I don't know really what's going to happen next. And wow. he was um, as sober as I can get out. And it was one of those things that was chilling in the room. And then he said the thing that kind of grounded everybody. He said, the only thing that we can really have um, solace and confidence in is the strength of our military. And at mm -hmm. that point, you were wondering, wow, is this the end? Is the end near? Um, with that, I know that was kind of a, 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 
um, a volatile moment, and that was kind of a, 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 a chaotic story. But with that, um, with the government, we were able to um, read different um, books such as The 13 Bankers and really seeing history unfold in front of us. We got to see parallels between the financial crisis as well as what led into World War I and World War II and kind of weaving together different um, uh, uh, different um, professors and their uh, their their term papers and stuff going back and forth. We learned about, I guess, the um, uh, some of the prisoner dilemma aspects of arms races and how kind of the the mix of coalitions and 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 um, and uh, and uh, alliances kind of forced them into World War One, and that was had a trickling effect. What happened with the Great Depression and using the um, Great Depression depression as a watershed and a seminal moment as a parallel to what we're facing right now and with the uh, the market collapse so i know that was a long exposition but that was kind of what i found so intriguing intellectually stimulating is really diving deeper and deeper in what's going on with the economic crisis and understanding an economic crisis isn't just financial mm -hmm. it's all about political economy if you go back to the times of adam smith it's always political economy so you yeah, can't have really, really economy without politics yeah, there's a real intersection between your your major in, in, in government and, and your minor in business. And seeing that in real time is makes the most uh, powerful learning engagements. We call it here today at Parish Meaningful Authentic Work. You know, when kids can see uh, relevance between what they're studying here and uh, how it applies to s scenarios and circumstances in which they may find themselves at some point in the quote unquote real world, you know, just ratchets up the power. And it sounds like that was uh, that was your experience. Now, curious too, because you know you came out of a um, at the time a, a brand new uh, a brand new high school. You know, when you got to UT, did you uh, find yourself um, lacking in any academic capacities? We talked about the quality of the five faculty members that were here with you and, and uh, how strong they were, but it was a new high school. What, did you feel you were ready ready to tackle the challenges of UT uh, um, as you as you took uh, took on the the coursework there? Yeah, no, absolutely. That was one thing that the coursework never got to a level that outpaced anything we saw at Parrish. Mm -hmm. I think the same things that you could do better at Parrish, I, I found the same things I could have improved at time at uh, University of Texas. As I started off, having a very busy um, workload and even um, social experience was where you had a little bit of trade-offs where probably if I'm looking back on it, I could tell myself, you know what, Quincy, probably could have spent another hour or two hitting the books. But I think everybody <laughs> can kind of look back in hindsight saying what they could do better. But as far as the foundation, yeah. um, I think it was very firm and very strong. Yeah, I think we all uh, can reminisce about the time wasted and, and not maximized when we were uh, when we were on our college campuses. I don't, I don't think you're <laughs> alone. You're alone in that. So talk to us about post UT. You uh, decided to go right into the into the work uh, work world, and um, rather than moving into the the the, the, politi uh, the political or uh, the political space, uh, the government space, you 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 chose to head into business. So uh, tell us, uh, you know, tell us what you're doing today, and and uh, to to a degree how you how, how you reached the the point where you are uh, now working with Seven Eleven. Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, I one of the big, I think two big things that really shaped and formed my worldview. One was growing up through parish. And then two was um, walking through the teeth of the Great Recession. Mm -hmm. So coming out of the Great Recession, I mean, the job market and uh, the employment landscape 
mm-hmm. was a bit different than it is today. So one of the bigger things was just how do you find a job coming out of school? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of and the people right in my now, same um, um, the I'm cohort and group would tell you that it was, it was kind of um, tough sledding finding that first job. And so I landed was, almost a boiler room place where we were doing inside sales. But even with inside sales, you you picked up and you learned, all right, this is B2B sales. This is what it um, this is what it means to cold call and understanding. I never want to do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so from, but I know cold calling is a big aspect of all business sales, but yep. from um, the cold calling kind of gave me a foot in the door. I was only there for a few months um, to a full service advertising company downtown. Mm-hmm. And that was a great experience where we worked with brands um, and uh, local brands, you know, as large as um, American airlines mm-hmm. and then other um, big brands that were in the CPG and retail space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was there for, a um, little under a year, but I really um, had me kind of searching for um, to make my mark. I felt like being at a um, well-known company that had a national reach and that was headquartered in the DFW area because mm-hmm. Dallas is still my home and I love Texas. And I saw um, the kind of the stars align and it was 7-Eleven and still just trying to get my foot in the door. So um, I applied, I got an entry level position mm-hmm. into a, um, kind of a merchandise um, infrastructure um, level where you're doing a little bit of a um, just number crunching and sales analysis in a, in the database. But from there I was able to um, just by head down and working hard, um, uh, getting increasing amount of responsibility, visibility and opportunities and um, found myself, you know, getting a new position um, almost um, every year, like clockwork, which generally they'd like people to be in their roles for about, um, year and a half to three years mm-hmm. at a minimum. So I think a lot of the same kind of that rigorous mentality of, Hey, it can be done. It can be done right now stems from that creativity, ingenuity, and that entrepreneurial spirit that was embedded with us going through parish and seeing, um, the, the, the school build and knowing, all right, it's not going to be done unless you go ahead and you do it yourself. Yep, and I you think that has, yeah. Yeah. And diving in, and you and I've spoken too. I mean, even, uh, I mean, you're in the work world, um, really less than, less than a, less than a decade. And, and, uh, in your space, retail has changed dramatically. The work you did in, uh, marketing and, and merchandising, uh, has shifted, um, also almost cataclysmically and seismically because of the, uh, the, in, the inflow of, of, of the digital space. And so, yeah, I think it just goes to suggest what our mission statement talks about with a complex global society. I mean, you've been living that in real time in less than a decade is the uh, very work that you started doing uh, in 2011 when you got your first job is uh, fundamentally different uh, just seven years later. Yeah. Um, One term that um, I think our our leadership team um, borrowed from the military, but we use it and just talking about the the global uh, marketplace Mm -hmm. is that it's a VUCA environment standing for um, volatility, uncertainty, chaotic and ambiguous. Mm-hmm. And so um, with that um, VUCA world, it's like it takes, um, it takes vision and understanding, um, clarity and um, ambition to kind of get past it. And so for, 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 for those like that, that VUCA world, it's, it's key to be at the cutting edge and kind of skating where the puck is going. And we continue to innovate. I think everyone has seen how um, delivery and e-commerce has been embedded in everyone's um, day-to-day life and technology, Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. can't move around without a smartphone. You probably can't go a couple of months without ordering something mm-hmm. um, from online through e-commerce and Amazon. And so for us being a traditional brick and mortar with over 90 years of heritage, mm-hmm. um, we definitely, um, we definitely want to, um, to respect our history, but we understand in order to be around for the next 90 years, we have to get with the times. And so my current role is actually is our um, kind of the tip of the spear with us getting into the delivery space. And my, um, my position currently is managing our partnerships mm-hmm. with some of these, um, these companies that are based out of Silicon Valley that you hear about, you're probably using on your own personal apps. Mm-hmm. I'm doing food delivery and how can we utilize their delivery network and couriers and then our unique store footprint to definitely deliver the convenience of the 21st century. Yeah, you know, you know, because uh, you're a very plugged in alum and been a member of our alumni association and are, are really committed to, to staying connected here, which we appreciate uh, that, you know, our reimagine effort, uh, if people if people try to understand its rationale, it, it is in one part explained by by your answer, which is that uh, though you got a, a great um, uh, set of skills here around creativity and ingenuity and, and sort of a pioneering entrepreneurial attitude, which you've referenced, the reality is school for a long time and, and parish should be included in that uh, is very structured, very standardized. It is everything counter opposite to the volatility and the uncertainty uh, that you mentioned in, in referencing VUCA. And so our premise with Reimagine is that some of the apparatus of school, some of the, some of the standardization and systemization of it, which is very rigid and, and very scripted, scripted for kids uh, needs to be broken apart. And our reimagined effort in terms of how we use time, how curriculum flows, how kids are, um, are, are asked to do uh, more work, which is based around performance and, un- and uncertain uh, endpoints. Uh, th- these, are, these are critical uh, if we're going to prepare them for the world, which uh, for you has changed radically in just seven years of employment. And we know for them, by the time uh, they, they leave here, uh, we'll, we'll be only changing it at, at greater speed. So I, I think in talking to the alums, as I'm uh, going to be doing here in some of these upcoming podcasts, I'm trying to tie your experience in the quote unquote real world as young as you still, as you all still are to our rationale for why our program here can't sit still. It, it just can't be a yesterday model of, of schooling. It's, it's got to be one that's, uh, that's oriented and attuned to a very changing, complex global society that our kids will be entering. Yeah, no, just hearing you speak just gets me really jazzed and excited because that's exactly the foundation that's necessary for this world. As you kind of look out and you try to think and forecast what's going on in the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years, Mm -hmm. one, people are probably going to be living longer. Mm -hmm. Um, The skill set that will be needed in 30 years probably is unimaginable today, Mm -hmm. but knowing that the stems of technology is always going to be changing at an ever-increasing pace. And to your point, trying to predict what your, um, your students um, are going to need in 30 years, you probably can't, but what you can do is you can instill with them the skills of how to learn and mm-hmm. how do you find truth and how do you find your North Star and how do you keep mm-hmm. moving forward? Right, and, and there, that's the beauty of Parish, I think, as much as you and I have spoken in this uh, short episode about um, 
the pioneering entrepreneurial spirit of, of parish, which attracted me here in 2009, which is part of your, the fabric of your experience and, and will continue to be for the institution, uh, kind of a lighting our view forward. Uh, th there is a uh, wonderful tr tr uh, sense of tradition and stability here as evidenced by our commitment to our Episcopal identity and uh, our daily chapel and, and other elements of our community that are, that are very foundational that won't, will not change. And so, I find a great attraction in parishes marrying of uh, the, the, the entrepreneurial mindset with a traditional mindset. I think you can be a both and school. Uh, and I think, I think we do that uh, really, really well uh, in preparing kids for, for that uh, world they'll be entering here when they graduate. It's funny because you spent a long time here, right? 15, uh, almost 15 years. You know, our, our pre-K one students today, right? The, the, the Quincy Powell's of, of, uh, uh, of of yesteryear they graduate from parish in 2033 right <laughs> i always i always bring that up to uh our present community members even our prospective parents that are looking at us because uh you know when you try to when, when you try to even uh convey uh what the world will look like in 2033 when when those little uh three and four year olds of today leave parish and and uh head off to to, to college or whatever is post parish at that point in time um it's going to be uh they're going to be different, um, different formations in the world of work and the world of higher ed and, and uh, of, of learning that are all, all are, are uh, things we have to be thinking about uh, in, in uh, how we do our work today. Yeah, no, I know. And I just have to say how impressed I, I and I always appreciate being invited back and being um, continued feeling part of the community and trying to do whatever I can to um, let my peers know that um, um, to understand all the great things that are going on at Parish and just staying within the, the orbit of Parish, you can see with my own eyes, like the things that you guys are doing um, from a pre-K through, um, through high school. And, and, and it's just phenomenal. It's fantastic. Well, we appreciate uh, what you've meant to this place and we'll continue to in your, in your ongoing engagement. Wish you the best of luck as, uh, as, as, your, as your work continues at 7-Eleven and, and, uh, and beyond. So thanks for joining us on the from my angle podcast. We'll look forward to seeing you here soon on campus. I know, I know it won't be long. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Invite me back again, please. <laughs> you, you bet. Thanks Quincy. We'll talk to you. We'll talk to you down the road. All right. Thanks. Dave. Bye-bye. Right, Thank you for listening to this edition of the from my angle podcast. Please share it with friends and colleagues in your network. My next podcast will be an audio and video podcast covering my recent topic and tour presentation to the community. If you were unable to attend this event in October, I think you will find the highlights of my presentation on our recent accreditation visit and on the Center for College and Life Planning to be an instructive one. Until next time, thank you for listening to the From My Angle podcast.